Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Today? Now, let's jump into what we're doing. We are starting a brand new series today called Toxic. And uh, many of life challenges, I believe, are lost or won in the mind. And when you become a Christ follower, when you became brand new, a, a different, a very different kind of battle began in your mind. In fact, Romans 7 speaks about this. This is the, the Apostle Paul. And he's, and he's talking about himself. And he says, man, there's a struggle going on. He said, the things that I want to do, are, the, are not the things that I do. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I wind up doing. And he's talking about this, this spiritual struggle, this combat between his earthly or fleshly nature, his fallen nature, and, and his spiritual nature that wants to serve God and honor him. There's, there's, they're, they're, they're diametrically opposed. They're in opposition to each other. And many of us today are losing the battle for our minds, because our mind is being polluted with toxic thoughts from the evil one. So since this is a new series, let me kind of give you a working definition for the word toxic, and this will carry us through our entire series. Here's what I mean by toxic. Toxic is anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. It can cause sickness or even death. Many of us are being silently poisoned by so much stuff in our lives. These toxins are just seeping in, and what it's doing is it's causing sickness or death in a lot of different areas of your life. This can be relationally, financially, in your career, in your attitude, in your opportunities. Your life is just absolutely being poisoned. And so here's where we're going in this series. Next week, we're going to uh, look at what I think will be the most hated message in this series, uh, toxic influences, because we're going to talk about how the influences in your life are, are poisoning you. We're going to look at how, how social media and media uh, affect you, how the TV shows that you're watching, the movies that you watch, the music that you listen to, the podcasts that you pay attention to, that how these things are slowly poisoning your mind and turning you away from God's best for your life. And I realize this, that it's not going to be an easy message. It's not going to be fun. But Jesus has a way of kind of getting all up in our business, right? So that's what we're going to do next week, okay? We're going to get all up in the business. And then after that, we're going to talk about toxic friendships. You know, there are relationships that you have in your life that you need to learn how to manage and navigate wisely and well because those relationships are actually toxic in your life. You need to learn some boundaries. You need to learn how to handle that, maybe even cut out some of those relationships because they're ultimately harming your relationship with God. And then we'll look at at toxic words. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you choose to speak life or you choose to speak death. And so what, what you listen to and what you speak makes a difference in your life. And then we'll look at toxic religion. You know, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Jesus came to have a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He didn't come to start a church with a building like this. He came to create a church, which is us. That's a relational thing. But so many of us are caught up in toxic religion. We're caught up in the do's and the don'ts, the rules, and this is how you do it of church, that, that we are ultimately ruining the relationship that God actually desires for you, which is for you ultimately to 
know him. That's relational. That's not know about him. That's not know his rules. It's to know him. And so we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. Today, I just want to hang out on toxic thoughts, all right? Because this is everyone's struggle. It's not, it's not just one person's struggle in here. This is every person's struggle and it's with their thoughts. For me, I'm, I've spent my entire life having every area of my life threatened by toxic thoughts. My, from my career to my hobbies to my relationships, toxic thoughts have threatened to destroy them. I remember when Shanda and I first got married, I came into the marriage with some baggage because of previous relationships. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And baggage isn't something you actually carry. Where is baggage? Baggage is hurt in your heart, and it's walls that you've built in your mind that affect how you behave, right? So I had some thoughts that were toxic about relationships, and I was passing them on to my wife. And I'm telling you, our marriage was nearly over before it ever even got started because of the toxic thoughts that I had in my life. I had to learn how to handle those before I allowed them to take over uh, my life and that I missed out on everything God had for me. So here's the deal. If you think negative thoughts, you know that you become a negative person. And so it's really important that we, that we have our thoughts in the right place because as you think, so you are becoming, right? So today I want to talk to you about this. I want to tell you that, that it's the thought that counts. And there's two points on this subject. The first one about our thoughts that we need to do is identify and reject toxic thoughts. We need to identify and reject toxic thoughts. Here's what we do. We need to identify the thoughts that we have in our minds that are not from God, that are not in alignment with his truth, and we need to, and I'm going to say this, I want you to hear me, we need to violently reject them. My dog's been having some issues the past couple weeks. She's been kind of puking, not kind of, like a puking a lot. And it's like, and it's not during the day when everybody's awake, it's, it's in the middle of the night when everybody's asleep. And it's not on the hardwood where it'd be nice and convenient for it to be cleaned up. It's on the carpet. You know what I'm saying? So when this, this happened three nights in a row, in the middle of the night, about two, three o'clock in the morning, she'd get up out of bed with one of the kids and bleh, just yak. And we were like, what in the world is going on? Three nights in a row. That, that's a pattern. There's something wrong. And we weren't sure if she had eaten something or what. We, we, we really didn't know. But here's what, what happened with Stella, my dog something got inside that wasn't okay, and she started puking. I don't know if you've ever thrown up before. I imagine if you're alive today in this room that you probably have. You know that, that vomiting is like the most vile thing I think I could ever do. That's why I don't do it. It doesn't matter how sick I am. You can ask my wife. I don't do it. And if I am doing it, you better run, because that means that I'm sick in a bad way. Serious. Because I just, I don't like it. It's so violent. It's so painful. It is like this full-on rejection. And I'm going to be honest, I worked hard for all the food that's here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not only did I pay for it, but I made it. I took time to eat it. It's mine. You cannot have it. But your body... Your body is in a position that it's like, no, we got to get this up out of here. You know what I'm saying? It's got to go. Bye, Felicia. It's like, get out. It's bad. 
Whatever is in here is not making this happy, and your body's in full-on reject mode, and you start puking. This is what Stella was doing. We don't know what the issue was, and so we, we, it's been handled. Don't worry about Stella. She's fine. Whew. Yeah, right? But, but we had to begin testing. We think it was these little ducks, that, these little dog treats that we had. They're bacon-flavored. I don't know how that could be a bad thing, but apparently it is. Because we, we stopped giving them to her and she's not puking anymore. But, but, but what happens is when, when we get, we have this natural guard against toxic things in our stomach. And we violently reject that which is toxic, right? And so we need to identify thoughts that are not in alignment with God's word, with his truth, and violently reject them. We need to come up with a plan to guard ourselves. In the same way that we came up with a plan to guard Stella and to guard her health, we need to guard our thoughts. And so here's what, what Proverbs 4.23 says, carefully guard your thoughts. You understand this is on the offensive, right? This is like, hey, we're, we're going to be proactive about this. We're going to carefully, thoughtfully, we're going to make a plan to guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. Whenever something tries to take over your thoughts that doesn't agree with God's truth, you need to guard your thoughts because our thoughts drive our lives. And as a man thinks in his heart, the, the Bible says, so is he. So you need to guard those thoughts. And rather than thinking about anything that's contrary to God's word and to his truth, we need to stop it and not let it stay. Now, there's this powerful verse that's in Corinthians. Again, this is Paul talking. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Let me serve you notice real quick. If you didn't realize that you were in a battle, you are. And every battle requires you bring some weapons to it. All right? I can hear some of you guys going, I got these guns right here. But that's not what we're talking about here, okay? This is a spiritual battle, and you need spiritual weapons to do this. Can't use these guns. He says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons we use, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, this word stronghold, you know, your Bible's translated from Hebrew and Greek. And this is a Greek word. This is New Testament, so it's Greek. The Greek word is akamora. And this word akamora uh, for strongholds means a prisoner locked in a deception. That means that whatever it is has got you all bound up isn't even real. It's a stronghold. It's all in your mind. Many of you today are locked in a deception of lies. You believe something about yourself that is just simply not true, and you're bound up as a result. But today you're going to learn how to demolish those strongholds in Jesus' name. I'm going to help you with that. The verse continues on. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. I love this. It's forceful. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what do we need to do? We need to guard our minds. When a thought comes in that is contrary to God's truth, we need to reject the lies, reject those things that aren't true. We need to take our thoughts captive. In other words, say, listen, this is what it is. You don't get to hang out here anymore. You, you don't get to hang out here, and we, we're not a prisoner to our thoughts. We're in control of those things, right? And we make those thoughts obedient to what the Bible says. We bring them unto obedience to what God's truth is. And so what I'd like to do here for the next few minutes to kind of help you do that is to help you identify what kind of toxic thoughts 
that you are prone to. And I think there are four different categories for these. There's negative thoughts, there's fearful thoughts, there's discontented thoughts, and there's critical thoughts. These are the areas that you're prone to, the kind of thoughts you're prone to. And my prayer for you all this week has been that after today, that the Holy Spirit would remind you every time one of these kind of thoughts, wherever you're prone to have them, that the Holy Spirit would remind you that these are toxic thoughts and that these are the kind of thoughts that you need to shut down and reject from your life. Amen? So here, here's what we'll do. The first kind of negative or the first kind of toxic thought is negative thoughts. It's negative thoughts. It's the I don't have what it takes kind of thoughts. It's the I'm not going to be enough or I'm never going to measure up or everyone else gets the breaks but, but nothing good ever happens to me or I try and I try but I don't get it all done or no one appreciates me. I give and I give and nobody reciprocates that. I'm just taken for granted or maybe it's just as simple as my hair won't do what I want it to do and nobody's going to like me today. How many of you guys are prone to negative thoughts? Come on, show me, show me hands. There you go. Way, way to be awesome. Second kind of thoughts are fearful thoughts. These are the what if kind of thoughts, right? These are the ones where we wring our hands and we worry. That's what, that's what these are. What if I lose my job? What if the economy doesn't bounce back? What if I'm not married yet? Will I ever get married? Is anybody ever going to love me? I don't feel safe. What if somebody breaks in my house? Or you're constantly worried about your kids. You're one of the helicopter parents. It doesn't matter how old they are, you got to hang out. Because you're worried about what your kids are doing. You're worried about what's going to happen to them. Look, you can't keep everything from happening to little Nemo, okay? <laughs> Somebody's late. You may, maybe it's your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or just a friend. They're late to an event or a party, and you get overly concerned. Like, you're not like, man, I wonder why they're late. You're all like, dude, the car probably burst into flames, and they're like charred in their seat right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like a little too much. You, you go down to what if. It's like the worst case scenario. What if we're in the end times and this is the end of the world? I'm here to tell you. I preached a message a couple months back. We're in the end times, so you don't need to worry about that one. It's here. But if you're walking with Christ, that's not a problem for you. Listen to the message. It'll be good. Some of you are sitting there saying, I'm worried if I raise my hand and say this is me, people are going to judge me. So how many of you guys deal with worry and anxiety? Fear. Yeah. The third kind of thought is discontented. It's toxic. I don't like my body. I don't like how it looks. I wish I had a different, different look. wish my hair didn't grow this way. I wish I had some hair. The I'm married to the wrong person kind of thing. Or I can't be happy until I get married. Or I wish my, the spouse that I was married to was a better leader. I wish she loved me different. I wish she didn't nag me as much. Now listen, if that's your situation, don't elbow anybody. Like, don't do that. That's just not, that's not smart, right, where you're at. Just wanted to help you. Some of you are like, well, I, I can't be happy until I have kids. Some of you are like, I got kids, but I wish that I, my kids behaved better. Some of you are like, I wish I had different kids. <laughs> but you wish you had the bigger house, the walk-in closet, different car, it's like your happiness hinges on what you don't have, on better. How many of you guys deal with discontented thoughts today? Yeah. Others of you, this, this is the last one. 
It's kind of toxic thoughts are these critical kind of thoughts. We're, over, we're, we're just critical about everything. It's these thoughts. Can you believe that they did that? Can you believe she's here on Sunday morning wearing that? Well, I would never. It's all this stuff, right? It's critical. How many of you know people that are like that? See, there you all go, being critical right there, see? <laughs> Look at you. Y'all can also raise your hands when I ask you. You're the ones that are critical. Be like, I don't like this place. I don't like these people or all the people I work with are idiots or, you know, some of you have a spiritual gift about complaining about churches, right? Like you walk, I can't believe this place. It's not on the main road. I had trouble finding it, you know, it's back. And it's a warehouse. They don't even have carpet in there. Look at this place. Like this, you can see the air conditioner over there. I see it. It's there. And we all know what's behind the curtain over there. Can you believe this space? Look, I, I, I liked him better online. That camera makes him look smaller. He's a bigger fella. I don't like his hair. What's he doing? <laughs> Music's too loud. You got a spiritual gift to complaining about churches. How many of you would say that you, you, you struggle with critical thoughts? Well, it's about yourself or about someone else. We have to guard our thoughts, guys. We have to guard ourselves from these kind of toxic thoughts because the battle in the spiritual world is often going to be won or lost in your mind. You have a choice. You have a choice about these thoughts that enter into your mind. If you want to find negative things to think about, you will find them. If you want to search around your life and find out that somebody's got better stuff than you and you want to be discontented all the time, you'll find things to be discontented about. If you want to find something to be critical about, good Lord, you can find it. You don't have to look far. But if you want to find it, it is there. If you're wanting to do that, it, it'll be there. But you have to choose to reject what is harmful and embrace what is good. A few years back before we planted this church, um, many of you may know this or not, but uh, this whole journey started, you know, um, in 2010, I rededicated my life to Jesus and began serving him and uh, about a year and a half into that, my pastor tapped me and had coffee with me and said, you ever thought about being a pastor? And I was like, yeah, yes, I know that that calling exists on my life. And he said, I, I think I'd like you to be a campus pastor for us. We're going to get into multi-site. We're going to plan another campus, and we want you to be the pastor of it. I thought, that's awesome. So I began a journey. I spent a year getting educated and spent even more time, spent six months. I quit my job and gave him a six-month notice. God was blessing that because I said, hey, I give him two weeks. And he said, give me six months. I'll let you have every Thursday off. I won't change your pay. You can leave and do ministry as much as you want. I was like, all right, Jesus, let's do this. So I spent a year and a half investing into this, developing a plan for the multi-site, trying to decide what that was going to look like. So I'd be a campus pastor of my church. That was awesome. That's what I said yes to initially. And then we came in, and it was in the summer of 2012. Is that right, babe? Summer of 2012. And I had a meeting with my pastor, and he said, so listen. The board, we met, and we decided that we're not going to let you do that after all. And <laughs> she goes, yay. Well, because this became the result of that, right? Simple truth. But, but here's what happened in that process. They had decided that I wasn't qualified enough. Because I wasn't. It's true. I mean, if you were looking at my resume as the guy to hire for the campus, I'd never been on church staff anywhere. I'd never preached except a couple times in a youth ministry. I didn't know anything about ministry at all. 
Except, you know, I, I served at a church, I served in the cafe. And how many of y'all know that's not enough to, to be the pastor of a church, right? And, and so they made a wise decision and said, listen, we're, we're already an established church. We need an established guy who knows how to do ministry. It's not Aaron. And I remember walking out of there and just feeling like I'm not good enough. I mean, that's basically what was said to me. And I walked out of there, my spirit just crushed, and I came home, and I told my wife, and I transferred that on to her, that I'm not good enough. And, and then it became a we're not good enough. And guess what? We went to church the next Sunday, and we sat there on the front row, and daggone it, wouldn't you believe what, you know what the message was? You're not good enough. I can't even make that up. He's standing on stage, and he says, you're not good enough. And my wife and I looked at each other, put out our lower lips. We cried through the whole service. It didn't matter that there was a redemption message at the end of it. Like, that's right, you're not good enough, but God is, and he's empowering you and equipping you and all this stuff. Like, missed all that. We just sat there and cried. And all this may have never happened because of those negative thoughts. And we had to learn. We had to take those and throw them down because we, we were good enough. We may not have been all that God needed us to be, but he was willing to make us that, amen? And we decided we were gonna plant a church and God's been leading our direction ever since then and we are thankful for this journey because it was his journey. It was his plan. But we were looking to have that message applied to us because we believed it. That's why we're sitting there crying on a Sunday morning instead of listening to the redemption message. We were looking for that. We were looking for more people to tell us you weren't good enough. In fact, we, we walked around that Sunday morning and none of them board members talked to us, none of the leadership talked to us. And we were like, dang, we really aren't good enough. We, we were looking to be rejected. So if you're looking for negativity, you'll find it. Looking for discontentment, you'll find it. If you're looking for critical things, you'll find it. If you're looking for things to worry about, you'll find it. It's called a confirmation bias. It's what you're looking for is what you're going to see. If you're looking for fearful, critical, discontented, negative, you'll find it. It's like a hummingbird. Do you know what a hummingbird does? Anybody know what a hummingbird is? That's some crazy birds. They flap their wings like this really fast. You know, you can't even see them. They just look like a body just sitting there like this. Crazy. I mean, put them on some ADD medication or something. I'm not sure. These things, they get up every day and they search for one thing. They search for something sweet every day. And then vultures. Very, very different. I don't, even, I, I don't even do what, what a vulture does, but, but it does, make, does remind me, anytime I talk about vultures, it reminds me of that Looney Tunes character that was a, hold, 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 hold. Anybody know what I'm talking about, that vulture? Okay, I'll stop. But you all get it, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, that was the character. So what does a vulture look for every day? It, it looks for something that's decaying. It looks for something dead. And every day, a hummingbird gets up and it looks for something sweet, so it finds nectar. And every day, a, a vulture gets up and it's looking for something dead. And guess what it finds? Dead things. It finds dead things. It's not looking for something moving. It's looking for something laying still. It's looking for something dead. You'll find what you're looking for. If you're looking for truth, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for life, if you're looking for faith, you will find it. But if you're looking for these other things, these other toxic thoughts, fear, worry, discontent, all of that. If you're looking for it, you will find it. Check out this verse from the prophet Jeremiah. I love this because he gives a beautiful word picture because not only can we do it, we can ask God for help in this. Like, look what Jeremiah says. He says, yet you know me, O Lord. You see me and test my thoughts 
about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. He ain't even playing. He's like, get them out. Drag them off. These thoughts that are, in co- that are contrary to what you have for me, your truth, your word, just, just drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. If there's anything that is inconsistent with God's word and his truth, you need to let it be ripped out and ask God to drag it off. Whatever, that th- whatever thought that is not from God, we have to reject. And we're going to identify toxic thoughts and reject them. Why? Because as you think, so you become. So now you're going to be able to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be able to identify these four areas of toxic thoughts and reject them. And you can't just like kick them out because that leaves like an empty space. You have to do something in response. This is the second thought about it's the thought that counts. The second thought is to replace toxic thoughts with God's truth. So not only do you identify and reject them, but you need to replace them. And you need to replace them with something firm. If you just replace them with happy thoughts, then you're at a Tony Robbins seminar. But if you replace them with God's word and God's truth, it is unfailing and it is powerful and it will transform your life if you do that. You gotta love how Paul says this. He says, the peace of God, which by the way, that's not the peace that the world gives you. That's not financial peace that having money in the bank gives you. It's the peace of God, and he goes on to describe what that means. He said, which by the way, transcends all understanding. That means you're gonna be in a hot mess, and you're gonna be sitting there just chill because you got the peace of God. Nobody, everybody looking at you go, man, you're in the middle of a mess. How in the world do you have so much peace? Well, I got the peace of God. You can't even understand it. I can't explain it to you. I'm just at peace. You wouldn't understand it anyway. It's the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which, by the way, the verse prior to this, in, in, in Philippians 4, verse 6, he says, hey, don't, don't worry about anything. Those, those fearful and anx- ang- those thoughts of anxiety, those, those, those worries, don't, don't do that. Because honestly, and this is not what the verse says, but I'm going to tell you this, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere, Okay? should write that down. But he's like, don't worry about anything. And he says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your, your minds. It'll guard your heart and your minds. It's your thoughts. The peace of God will guard your thoughts in Christ Jesus. And he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such thing. In other words, whenever you meditate, meditate is just a big word. You're not, you're not like going, oh, like this for hours and hours. Meditate means to think about over and over again. It means every time you've got a negative thought and you kick it out, you start thinking about the good stuff, right? You start thinking about God's truth. You start thinking about faith, love, these things that are pure. You kick them out, and you think about them over and over again. That's when your mind will become transformed. And as your mind becomes transformed, so goes your life. So what you think about matters. When you think about whatever is true, we have to think about what God's word says about us. And we've got to get a system in place. Remember, this is to guard ourselves. We've got to get a system in place to guard our thoughts. They say that... uh, that, that when you're learning to speak a different language, that it usually goes like this. And for me, this is, this is painfully true. Uh, I, I learned Spanish back in high school. 
I took some in junior high and then a couple in, in high school. And, and, um, and, and when we went on mission trips, my wife and I kind of renewed our Spanish uh, through a little app called Duolingo. And so I know a little bit of Spanish. But here's what happens when you go to speak to somebody in Spanish and you're kind of like me. They speak something to you in Spanish. You hear it in Spanish. And then in your mind, you have to translate it to English. You think about a response in English, and then in your mind, you have to translate it to Spanish, and then you get to speak it. It's painfully slow. In fact, when most of them are talking to me, I'm like, despacito, please, slow down. Slow down. Take it slow when you're talking to me. Because I got to go through this process. But they say the more that you speak in another language, the more that you study it, the more you practice with it, that eventually a switch gets flipped where you no longer have to hear in Spanish, translate to English, think in English, translate back to Spanish, and then speak in Spanish. You actually hear in Spanish, think in Spanish, speak in Spanish. It's a much faster process. And there you find yourselves talking just like I'm talking to you now and just like you were in a regular conversation. So what you and I need to do, how does this relate? What you and I need to do is get to a place where we've practiced this whole identifying negative thoughts and rejecting them and replacing them with good thoughts. Even if we aren't sure we believe them yet, that's okay. You will eventually, as you begin to replace those negative thoughts with God's word and speaking them over your life, you'll begin to see your life transformed as a result of it. It's just how it works. You need to have a, a, a plan or a response in place. That switch will eventually sw flip as you practice this. It'll just happen. A negative thought will enter your mind and you'll be like, nope, that's not what God says about me. That's not, that's not what my family believes about me. That's not what my friends believe about me. That, that's just not true. And you can reject those things. It'll become second nature to you just like that. It may take you a while for you to finally believe it and to respond that way, but you'll get there. So we throw down negative thoughts, speak out God's word, and soon enough you'll be living it. And as you practice it, you'll begin instinctively doing it. You know, sometimes I stink. Sometimes I get up here and I just think it up. For one reason or another, I just think. I don't connect with the message. I, I, I didn't communicate it well. I could have told a better story. could have said this. Maybe I was tired, didn't get enough sleep last night. My thoughts were all jumbled, or maybe I'm sick and I took some medicine. Anybody ever been medicine head before? And you look back on some of the conversations you had, and you're like, dear Lord, what did I say? There, there's just some days that I stink at, at getting up here and communicating God's word. And I walk off this stage sometimes just defeated. But I know I, I walk into this room, and I'm going to head out front, and I just feel defeated. Before anybody's been able to come to me and say anything, I'm, I'm in this room, and I'm like, all right. You're going to go stand at the door, and people are going to come up to you and say, good word today, pastor. And I'm going to go, yeah, right. I know I stunk it up. And then I get fearful. I'm like, Nobody, nobody's going to receive anything from God today. They didn't hear anything. They just saw me up there flailing about. No life change happened for anybody. They didn't receive anything. They're going to leave the church. They're going to be mad. This whole thing's going to shut down. All that happens in a split second from the time I walk into that room and on the way out to meet you guys. And I'd deal with that weight. I would go home. It would crush my afternoon. I'd wake up on Monday mornings just absolutely depressed 
They tell pastors, don't quit on Monday because that's the day that you, you're just all the weight of Sunday and the, the, the full experience that you have is on you. They say, don't quit on Monday. Until one of my mentors, I shared with him that I was just feeling that weight. And he said, Aaron, he said, why, why are you doing that? Why are you allowing those thoughts? Because that's all that was. Why are you allowing those thoughts to just crush you? He said, don't you know what Hebrews 4.12 says? I said, take me there. Come on, set me free, baby. Let's do it. This is what it says. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so now, whenever I walk off this stage and I know that I just stunk it up, that was bad. I remind myself, you know, none of this is a surprise to God, and that all I had to do was stand up there and in a monotone voice speak his word, and his Holy Spirit starts to work in people's lives. It doesn't matter how good I am. It never had anything to do with me. It had everything to do with my obedience to stand here and share it with you, not how well I said it, not how funny I was, not how well I communicated my thoughts surrounding that verse. The moment I began speaking his word, it is alive and powerful. And so I've been, I get encouraged now. I get encouraged because I walk, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, I want to do well. Yes, I, I think we should have fun in church. And so I try to be funny. I try to do those things. But more importantly, God's at work whether I am any of those things or not. And I'm encouraged. And I hold on to that. I let that scripture, God's truth, take root in my life. And when those thoughts try to take over my day and defeat me, I replace them. No, no, no. God's at work even when I'm horrible even when I stink. I don't have to carry the shame or the guilt about that. God set me free. I renew my mind. And I don't know what thoughts you struggle with. Maybe it's, it's, the, it's the, after as bad as I've been, God couldn't love me. No, no, that's not true. See, God's love is unconditional. It is unfailing. You may not understand it because it seems illogical and irrational to you that he would love you the way that he does, but God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus so that you could have a different life, so that you could have the life he desires for you. You say, well, maybe, maybe your thought is that I'm a loser. No, no. I'm never going to defeat this thing. No, no. The Bible says that you're more than a conqueror through Christ. That's who you are. You replace that lie with the truth. You say, well, I'll never get free from addiction. No, 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 no. See, Jesus paid the price for your freedom. That's what he did. That's what he did on the cross. By the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, you're going to overcome. That's what's going to happen. You say, well, maybe, maybe you're on a different path. Maybe it's a financial thing. And you're like, man, we're working on this, but we're never going to get out of debt. You know what? That's the farthest thing from the truth. The Bible says you can come to a place where you owe no man anything except a continual debt of love. And that's where you're going to be. Right? You take these thoughts, you shut them down, and you replace them with God's word. You stop giving in to those toxic thoughts of the world. Speak God's truth over your life. And honestly, I'm going to just share this. This is why we have to read or listen to God's word on a regular basis. Some of you are like, I'm not a reader. That's fine. There's all these Bible apps out there. You can just push a button. It'll read it to you. You can hear God's word. You can know it and hide it in your heart so that when those toxic thoughts come your way, you can shut it down with God's word and say, no, you know what? I heard something about this this morning and what, what, in, in John or wherever it is you're listening to. I heard something this morning. I don't need to do that. That's not me. But you need to know God's word. 
So when toxic thoughts raise their heads, you'll lift up the standard of the word of God, declaring his truth in the situation. Look at what Paul says. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a way that the world goes about doing things. And if you want to be of the world and in the world and do the way things the world does them, that, that's fine. You're going to have what the world gets. But if you want what God has for you, he says you need to renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, reminding yourself, what does God say about this? Anytime a toxic thought gets in, what, what does God say about this thought? It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This word renewing is, a, again, another Greek word. It's akinosis, and it means a renewal, a renovation to make things better. When toxic, toxic thoughts come in, you have to wipe them clean from your mind and replace them with God's word. It's, it's this rebuilding. It's a renovation of your mind, basically, is what's happening. Anybody ever renovated something? You take something that was old and broken down and, and you renovate it. Well, what happens? Well, when you renovate something, you have to go in and rip out old stuff. The stuff that's not functioning the way that, that it should be functioning. From plumbing to electrical, if it's a house, cabinets, carpet, all this stuff that's got to go. There may be even stuff in the wall. Maybe it's mold and that's just toxic to your health. Or maybe it's asbestos, and you got to get that out too. But when you renovate stuff, you identify what's got to go, and you rip it out. And then you replace it with something beautiful. New cabinets, new faucets, new countertops. Come on, somebody. You breathe new life into that situation because of the renovation. And this is what Paul's talking about. When he's talking about renewing your mind, it must be a renovation. This is a project. It's not gonna be a one-time thing. It will be an ongoing ripping of these things out. You replace them with beautiful things. And that's what renewing your mind is like. Your thoughts really do matter. A toxic thought contains poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death in every area of your life. That's why we've got to identify and reject these toxic thoughts. And we're going to carefully guard our thoughts. Why? Because they are the source of true life. The scripture says that our weapons are not like this world. They're not from this world. They have divine power to pull down strongholds. In other words, those deceptions that have got you bound, those lies that you've been believing. God's word has the power to deliver you from those things. And that's why we demolish arguments against everything that sets itself up against God's truth. We take captive every thought according to the obedience of Christ. Because God knows our thoughts. And we need to allow him to examine those and rip out, drag off these toxic thoughts. So we identify them, we reject them, and then we replace them with God's truth. We'll think on things that are noble. We'll think on things that are true, that are right, lovely, and admirable. And anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, these are the things we will think about. Because we're not going to live like the world. We're not going to be stuck in bondage. We're going to live free in Christ by taking those thoughts captive, forcing them to be obedient to him, and renewing and renovating our minds so that we can be free to live out the life he's intended for us because it's the thought that counts. Let's pray.
Father, today I thank you for your word. I thank you for this new series. I'm excited for the work that it will do in our lives. I'm praying for these guys today, Lord, as I've been praying all week. Father, I pray that you would give us an awareness of the toxic thoughts that we have. I pray today as we confessed and shared, hey, these are the thoughts that I'm prone to, Lord, that every time we have one of those thoughts, whether it's discontent, negative, thoughts of fear, critical thoughts, whatever they may be, Lord, I pray that you would make us aware of them, Holy Spirit, aware that we're having those thoughts so that we can identify them, we can reject them, And ultimately, would you remind us of your word? Would you recall to mind what you've said about us so that we can replace those thoughts with your truth? Lord, I pray that as we do this, you would would help us, that you would examine us, Lord, and reveal those things to us that need to be ripped out and renovated. Give us your power to do this, God. And ultimately, Lord, I pray that you would transform our lives as I know that you will do as we take captive these thoughts. Help us, Lord. As I continue to pray with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just identify that there's probably people in this room right now that as we're wrapping up this message, you're sitting there going, ah, I don't know. I don't know about this whole God thing. You've had some some thoughts the moment you walked into this room today. Maybe even before you walked into this place, somebody invited you and you already had a thought. Critical one, discontented one, a fearful one. Maybe it was the thought that, you know, this is nice and I'm happy to make the the person happy that invited me here today. But it's not for me because I've done too much in my life. How could God love me? Maybe you say, you know, God doesn't want me. How could he? See, Aaron, you wouldn't be standing up there saying those things if you knew all the things that I'd done. If you knew the things that I've done to my body, if you knew the things that I've done to other people, the ways that I've lied to them, the ways that I've cheated them, the thoughts that I've had, the actions I've taken, the places I've been. See, you wouldn't be saying that God loves me. See, none of those things matter. Because thousands of years ago, God sent his son Jesus to walk this earth. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. And he surrendered his life to die on a cross, a brutal, horrific death. And Jesus hung his head on the cross and he said, it's finished. And when he said it's finished, what he meant was is that the price has been paid. See, all that stuff that, you, that you've done that you think disqualifies you from a relationship with God, all of it was paid for. All you have to do today is receive that free gift of forgiveness. And that comes through beginning a relationship with God. We do that by saying, Jesus, be Lord of my life. In other words, you be in charge. You show me how to live, and I'll line myself up with you. I'll do what you have for me. I'll read your word. I'll learn to follow you. And the beautiful thing is, not only do you, do you have forgiveness and a cleansed conscience, you'll have a, an incredible life here on this earth. And you may not be perfect, but Jesus said, hey, I've got a, a life and life abundantly that I want you to have, and life to the fullest. 
And then when you leave this earth, you get eternity with God in heaven. This is what he's offering to you, and you just need to say yes. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. Doesn't matter who you are or how you're dressed. Jesus loves you. God loves you. So today, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, to replace those toxic thoughts that have been keeping you from a relationship with God, this is your moment to say, God loves me. In fact, I would challenge you just quietly. If you're sitting there struggling, would you just say it to yourself? God loves me. God loves me. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you'd like to be counted on this prayer, this begins your spiritual journey. It's you just talking to God. I'll give you the words to say, and you just pray them with us. If you're going to pray that prayer, would you just kind of slip your hand up? I'm not going to make you stand or come to the front. Would you just slip your hand up now and say, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. I'm going to pray this prayer in church. Can we pray with them? Nobody needs to pray alone. They're, they're part of the family. They're coming in. Don't leave them hanging. So Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Today I ask you to be Lord of my life. That means you're in charge. I give you control. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. And confirm your love for me today. I give you my life. Now you give me yours. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.